Hello and welcome back to The Word on School Avenue. Today we have another sermon that we're going to be sharing with you. We have Brother Seth that is going to be ministering to us today on this podcast, so we hope you really enjoy it and get something meaningful out of it. Oh, isn't he a wonder church? Oh, can we just go ahead and praise him for just a few more moments? so good to us. Oh, we praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus. It is always such a privilege to get to stand behind this pulpit. I I thank my pastor for that opportunity, and I honor him. I love my pastor, and I love my pastor's wife. I want to continue talking on the subject that we talked about a little bit ago when all of us ministers were allowed to have a few moments. I spoke on the birthright or the blessing, and I plan on just talking about just the birthright today, trying to focus really hard on that, but you really can't talk about a birthright without a blessing. If you'll, if you'll, I'll, I'll read my opening text so that you can be seated. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. I am so thankful that he is not a respecter of persons or I would not be allowed to speak his name. Brother Ryan, would you please pray over me? You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. What is a birthright? It is simple to define in the Hebrew. The Bekorah, it denotes a special privilege or advantage belonging to the firstborn son. Uh, These privileges and advantages include becoming the priest of the family, having a double portion of property uh, saved away for you, and finally the firstborn would usually take over the official authority if his father possessed any. Now, if you hear that, and if you've read your Bible very much, you know that God does not really follow that plan. That is a man's plan. That is a man's definition. What is God's definition of birthright? I think it, as we go along, we're going to see a few things. And that is my question today. What is our birthright? What is your birthright? I believe everyone has something different that they are born for, that God has planned for them, that God has set aside for them. Each one of us has our own walk, our own run, our own chase. And it is different for each one of us, this birthright. But if you know much, you know that God does not look at people. As I stated earlier, He is not a respecter of persons like men are, like the flesh is. We look to people and we see great orators, we see great speakers, and we can think, well, they 
have something of God because they are so special. But that is not how God sees things. He looks to the inner man. I think that you can take this topic all the way back to creation, actually. You can look at Adam and see that he was born or created with a plan for him. This is your birthright. This beautiful place, this paradise is yours. All you have to do is maintain it. I don't even know how hard it was because before the fall, how, there was no weeds. There was, it might have been as easy as just picking the fruit or vegetables that he wanted to eat and that was the total work for the day of his husbandry. But that was the birthright that God had planned for him. We, we know now that God wanted some people who had a choice in whether they were going to worship him or not. But he didn't say that to Adam. He just said, take care of this place. And I'm going to give you someone. And he gives him Eve. And Eve is beguiled by Satan. He presents her with some blessings. Just take this. And everything that God is holding away from you, you will suddenly have. There's no need in doing the, the work that you're doing now when you can just have the blessing. There's no reason to chase after the birthright when the blessing is sitting right there just waiting for you to take a bite. So it's, these, it's chasing these blessings. And here I am already talking about the blessings. It's chasing the blessings that really ends up destroying you. Even their children, I think that you can see a struggle for the birthright in Cain and Abel. You can see that they are both trying to bring sacrifices forth to God. They're, they're both trying to, to do something to please Him, but God only finds pleasure in one of these man's offerings. For whatever reason, I've heard it told many different ways that maybe Maybe Cain didn't bring forth the best of his fruits and vegetables. Maybe he was keeping the best for himself and giving God the second-hand stuff. Or maybe because it was part of the land, it was already God. So he was not really sacrificing anything of his own like Abel had to do when he gave up a sheep or a lamb. Or maybe it was just because God had already shown what a sacrifice was supposed to be. It's supposed to be something innocent. Some blood has to be shed. But for whatever reason, God does not accept Cain's sacrifice. He, he is pleased in Abel's. And so Cain, instead of chasing after the birthright the correct way, instead of realigning himself with the, whatever God wanted from him, we're not sure, but there was something that he's lacking, but he didn't care. He decides, I'm just going to take care of the problem. My sacrifice is going to look real good compared to nothing else. And so he, the first murder happens, and Cain is sent away. And then the second best name in the Bible is brought up. Seth, the, eldest, the, the, the third son of, uh, of Adam and Eve. But even here, the eldest is still alive. Cain has been sent out, but God has decided, I'm done with him. And so Adam and Eve, they have a third son. And it, it actually says that Seth is in the likeness of his father and after his own image. So he looks like his dad, who was made in the image of God, and he behaves like his dad. So he is chasing after the birthright in the correct way. And God decides, this is where I want to send my lineage through Seth. Forget Cain. I'm done with the eldest there. Just already God is breaking the rules that man has set. 
But this is not really the family that I'm wanting to talk about. I want to jump down a few chapters into Genesis 12 and talk about just people who really just messed up <laughs> the birthright and the blessings going every which direction. If you go with Genesis 12 with me, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. A promise from God, an amazing promise from God. If you just do what I say, go where I tell you, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your family that you don't even have. But already, already this is a promise that has been for someone else. Already, this is not the first time this promise, it seems, has been given. If we go back to the, actually the end of the last chapter, before this one, Genesis 11, 27 through 32, we see that most likely this promise was given to another man. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now it's widely believed, I've heard this preached all my life, that the promise was first given to Terah. It was not meant for Abram in the first place. It actually seems that he began his journey. He left Ur of the Chaldees and began his way to the promised land. But something unfortunate happened. It seems that he lost his son before he left. And that messed with him. It says that his son was named Haran. And then they went to a place that they called Haran. And that's where he stayed and he dwelt there. We have to be so careful that we chase the birthright. No matter what tragedies hit us. No matter what hard times come against us. We have to remember that God's birthright, His promise is still worth chasing after. Life is going to try to stop you from chasing after this birthright. But we see that Abram had no problem believing God. He, he had no problem in leaving the rest of his family. He, he leaves Haran and he goes into Canaan. He is uh, eventually forced to separate himself from Lot. And then he has to go and fight a war with a bunch of kings to save Lot. And then he has another conversation with God. It says in Genesis 15, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, and saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing, I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. 
And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought forth him from abroad, and he said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for his righteousness. Abraham belie- Abram, sorry, Abram believes so much that God's birthright, that his promise is good, that he is ready to give it all to another man who is not even of his blood. I'm going to make your word work for me. I will, I will give up my family name to give it to this other man because you do not lie. You are telling me the truth, but I can't see how it's going to work. I'm too old to have children. We already saw multiple chapters ago that Sarai is barren. She can't have kids. So for your words to work, I have to figure out a way around them because you're setting me up with something impossible here. So I'm going to give it to Eleazar. I'm going to just give it to him, and your promise will go on through him, and that works, right? And God says, no, you're going to have a child out of your own bowels. Unfortunately, he did not mention Sarai. <laughs> he did not. And we see that Sarai takes note of that and decides, well, you know what? We're still we're believing in God. We're going to figure out a way to get to where we're supposed to be going. If you go to Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. The promise is going to work. It's a roundabout way, but we're going to make it happen. Hagar is going to give me my child. That's, that's of your loins, Abraham. That's Abram. That's, that, that works. That's, that's, that's under God's law. It's all good. So they believed God, but they didn't trust God. They didn't trust God that he could do something impossible, that he could... He could make these old people suddenly have kids. And, and Ishmael comes along, a true firstborn. He, it says that he took Hagar to be his wife. She was his wife, and she had a son. And that is the firstborn, and that is where we think all the blessings and the birthright should follow now. It should go to Ishmael. But in chapter 17, we see that God makes a covenant with Abram and changes his name to Abraham, and then he finally clarifies the promise concerning Sarai as well. It says, And God said unto Abraham, "For As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, not Sarai, shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? He's okay with the promises of God. He's already calling his wife a different name. God said it. It's good. It's Sarah. But how in the world is he going to do this? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. I already have a son. I already have an heir. Why can't he work? 
And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. There was already a candidate, but God overlooked him. Whether God saw something in his heart that he already didn't like, or he just he wanted this to be Abraham and Sarah. He says, your son Isaac is who I am going to do this promise through. Another thing that we need to learn about the birthright is that it is our nature, it is human nature to try to define it, to try to figure out what it is that God has planned for us. And we want to please God, so we're going to attack it, and we're going to wrestle with it, and we're going to make it our own. But sometimes you just have to step back and trust God's plan. We also see that Abraham had a lot of faith for not really trusting God. He was willing to sacrifice Isaac at the age of like 23, 24. This, this, this boy turned into a man at some point, and God is re- telling him, I'm ready to take him back now. And Abraham trusts, okay, it's going to be fine. And now we jump down to the bigger portion of my message. I knew I was going to go long. I guess that's why they sing so few songs tonight. But this is the part that everyone thinks of when they hear about birthrights and blessings. Genesis 25, 21 through 23 says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. I think we give Jacob a really hard time a lot of times. His name does mean trickster, but this was the birthright that was always planned for him. He, everything he does is really just chasing after the birthright after that. God has said he's going to serve, or his brother is going to serve him. The younger is who I'm going to work through. And so Jacob, we know uh, he, 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 he cheats his brother out of his, his lentils. I, I missed one part, actually. We cannot forget that the birthright is planned for us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, we might not be that prophet that Jeremiah was, but God still has a plan for us. We are still ordained. We are still born-again children. We've been bought with a price. We have a birthright today. So then we see that Jacob gives Esau the bread and pottage of lentils in Genesis 25, 34. And that he did eat and drink, and he rose up and went his way, and Esau despised his birthright. We have to be so careful about this as well. We cannot, we cannot start to despise the thing that God has laid on us. It can be hard, it can be rough, it can be uncomfortable at times, and it can sour. But we have to remember what we're doing, and where we're going, and who we're doing it for, and we have to change ourselves. We have to we have to not let that, that birthright become despised in our own eyes as it did with Esau. Esau only wanted those blessings as I spoke about. He did not want the responsibility of being the priest of the household. He did not want to have to tell everyone to go, 
to go and to do and to how to be. He did not want to have to spread the message of a, of a one God to people. He just wanted all of the wealth that was coming to him because of the way that he was born. And then we see that Rebekah tells Jacob to steal the blessing by subterfuge and by deceiving his father to obtain the blessing that was already going to come to him somehow. Whether it was going to come this way and there was nothing else he could do for it, I'm not sure. <clears throat> but this is him really taking full advantage of God's prophetic word over him. He went and got the blessing. And immediately he is in fear for his life, and Rebecca fears for his life, and she and Isaac tell him, you have to get out of here. Your brother will kill you. He's just waiting for your father to die. You have to go and find you a wife. And so we get down to where he goes to his uncle Laban. And I've had, uh, I've had part of this story in my mind for almost a month now, and I actually came up to Sister Leah about a month ago, and I said, do you hate when people preach about Leah? And she didn't pause. She didn't ask why. She said, yes, I do. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I, I, I feel like I have a few things to say about Leah. It's your parents' fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> Genesis 29, <clears throat> 15 through 20 says, And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had for her. If you ever hear the story of Leah and Rachel preached or teached, you know why Sister Leah feels this way. Leah is, is really trashed a lot of the times. It is talked about how, how ugly she is compared to her beautiful sister. Uh, I'm not too interested in their looks. I'm actually interested more in what their names mean. Rachel was the blessing her name means a ewe lamb. It is literally more fruit coming forth. It is, it is bountifulness. While Leah means delicate and weary. Delicate's not so bad, but weary. And how weary Leah must have made Jacob feel. This woman that he did not care for by any fault of his own. He, he, he was interested in this other woman. And she was shoved into his life. He did not ask for her. He was not interested in her. He did not pursue her. He did nothing wrong to her. And instead, he is given to her in subterfuge. It, it, it all turns back. If that's how you get your blessings, then it's all going to come back to you. Laban tricks him and gives Leah to him and tells him, I can't give the eldest daughter. It would be bad. It would make her look bad. No one would ever take her after that. You have to take her. And if you'll spend a week with her and work seven more years, I'll go ahead and give you Rachel right away. And so he does that because he loves Rachel. He loves the blessing. But Leah is the birthright. Leah is what it takes to get the blessing. You don't get the Rachel without the Leah here. 
You don't get all the blessings without some weariness. It takes that weariness. Nowhere ever in the Bible does it say that our walk with God is going to be easy. Nowhere does it say that it's going to be enjoyable. We have to focus through the weariness and really appreciate what the birthright is. If you just look at our pastor, how many hours does he spend in, in prayer for each one of us? We do not know. How many days fasting does he spend in prayer for the church on top of everything that he does with the church? We do not know. How many times have we made him weary with our, our, our problems or our issues that we think are so important that we have to thrust onto him? A lot of times we will even look to our pastor and say, he's the only one who can fix my situation. He's the man of God. How weary it has to be to have the position that he has. And it doesn't have to be a position. It can be weariful just walking after Christ. This is a hard enough life. It is, it is not easy unless God is with us. And then our, our yoke is not so heavy. But humans cannot do it alone. We of our flesh, we cannot do it alone. It is hard times. The sicknesses, the pain, the hurt that we allow to bring us closer to God. It's the weariness that will bring you up. A lot of times you can see new converts who come in seeking a blessing. And a lot of times they will get that blessing. But there's no growth in just a blessing. There's, no, there's nothing to work for. You've already attained it and people will fall away. It's in the weariness, the times of, God, where are you? And then you hear the still, small voice, just like Elijah did. He's still here. He's still watching over us. It is not human nature to want to put up with the birthright. It is not human nature to want to struggle through this life to live for Christ. That's why we have to kill our flesh. That's why we have to put it under submission. We have to do the things that we have to do. Romans 7.15 says it in a very confusing way, but a very good way. It says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. It is human flesh to hate fasting. <laughs> it is human flesh to hate waking up in the morning, the wee hours of the morning, to get that time with God alone. But it's that weariness that really builds you up. It's that time with Leah that is better than the time with Rachel. I'm coming to a close. The Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel. He loved the blessings. But it never states that Rachel loved him. But with Leah, it is so evident that she loved her husband. She named multiple of her sons, all after the fact, hoping that now my husband will love me. Now I will find some, some pleasure in my husband. I have provided him the heirs. I have given him a firstborn. I have given him all the things that he desires. It's not ironic that Jesus comes through Leah and not Rachel. 
It is through the weariness that Jesus is presented to us. It is not just a random blessing. Because remember, the blessings always follow the birthright. It is not the easy blessings that we should be looking for. It is the hard, weary, tiring trials that lead to a better blessing. Their story ends in the best possible way, I think, in Genesis 49, 29 through 31. It says, And he, being Abraham, he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. After a life fully lived, Jacob has a decision. When I die, you can place me next to Rachel, who was a blessing. Or you can place me next to Leah, who was all the difference in the world. It's the struggles that define who we are. What is a birthright? I'm changing a little bit. It's not what man says. I think our birthright is this walk that we are currently in. It is this race that we're chasing after. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be so hard. There's going to be times that we will get angry at our brother, our sister, just as Cain did. There's going to be times that we're going to be jealous of our sister, as Leah did. But it's the struggles that really make our relationship worth it. It's that time of weariness that really builds up a strong relationship with God. It's the prayer, the fasting, the studying, and the effort that goes into building our relationship with God that matters most in the end. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Word on School Avenue. I hope you really enjoyed the sermon delivered by Brother Seth Templin. If you liked what you heard here today, please come back next week because he will have more insight to give and more words of wisdom. Thank you. Please like, subscribe, share. Give it to your pastor. Give it to your family. Just tell everybody you know. Take out a billboard ad. But thank you and have a blessed week.